Welcome to episode 457 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 457 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan. Pretty good. Ready for a big day at the office. What's on today? We've got, we've got a two oh, podcasts plus a, plus a legends. It's all happening. Man, we're, we're, it's all I'm good. ready for a big day at the office. Good. Do you know what's happening, John? What? Oh, no, I'm off my technical stuff here. But no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's good. Good. Yeah. Looked at my hair for you. You looked at my hair then. Yeah, this is like, yeah. You haven't, got, you haven't got your jowl on at 6 o'clock no, in the morning today? I've actually been up earlier. I started my work today at 4.30 because I did an nice. interview for my other podcast. Yeah. But Yeso, have you heard him? Yeso from Runner's World? No. Oh, okay. So I interviewed him. So nice. that was kind of it was hard life being me. No time to do my hair, mate. Yeah. I'm a worker. I'm a Gosh. hardworking man. I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Trainer road. Uh, great tool to get you faster on the bike. And some of our patrons. Like and name, let's, let's name a couple. Jombo. Connor Sanders, David Sobel, and Adrian Maisie. Those are all rock star contributors to the show. If you want to be one of those, we'll talk about one of those later on. Okay, on this week's show, we've got a bit of news. We've got Statistic. I was uh, struggling. Yeah, I, was I know. When you, yeah. That, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will Statistics make the year? That's the question. Oh, struggling. Yeah, really. you're number 52 out. If you've got some good stats... And, and, Triathlon and, and endurance yeah. sports related. <laughs> endurance sports related. Flick and throw. I'll give you some movie stats next week. Yeah. yeah, we can get down that path. We've got a website of the week. We've got an interview with Jeff Simons. Winner of Iron Man Melbourne the weekend before last. Good good long interview. Solid stuff. Yeah, interesting guy. Nice guy. Uh, and that's pretty much it for this week's show. Jombo, we have to talk about the cricket. I know. Even this is a triathlon show. <laughs> The, the listeners are sick of the cricket. They do not want to hear about it. Tournaments who, was it who was it that sent through the intro? Did you see that? Yes. Who was it? I need to get that email. Someone someone did an intro to our show on YouTube, um, making out the intro that I do at the beginning of I Talk, yeah. a cricket one. People don't want to hear about the cricket. They really don't. It was so unfortunate, wasn't it? It broke our heart. What happened was, we for s- those who don't know, we had an amazing game against South Africa, probably one of the greatest games of sport you'd ever watch. Semi-final. Amazing. Win it like for like a sick, like a home run off the last second ball, last basically. Ball, basically. Um, Amazing. And it was just, and it was a really great contest and a really great game of sport. We made it to the final. New Zealand lived in hope playing Australia. Mm-hmm. Bloody Aussies in the final. And they crushed us, didn't they, John? Big time. They crushed us. We didn't even like, there was no moment where you thought we were in the game, were there? It wasn't 100% down trout, but it was pretty, pretty close. close. Yeah. Football watchers. Probably like a five nil sort of score. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they, it was they beat us. They just beat us, and we 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 needed to play our best. We needed them to not be at their best, and we needed a bit of luck. And we, we didn't get any, we didn't start. get any three of those. We just got no, smoked down. No, they just they smashed us. So the crickets. We're not going to talk. Crickets dead to us. Yeah. And all your Australian listeners, you know what I realised? We've got a lot of Australian listeners, John, because yeah. i got a lot of emails from yeah. people saying, how about that cricket, Bevan? Yeah. And, uh, and I had one answer and I copied and pasted it to all of them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of the cricket talk for this time. Yeah. Uh, Jombo, first of all, I, we I had- might, we'll see how long the show goes, but I might have a rant later on. Oh, I want to hear the rant. No, we'll save that for later. We've got, we've got plenty of hours because no, we're on at 10. We'll save that for later. What's the rant? Just give me a clue. 
sporting behaviour. Oh, Australian sporting behaviour? Mm. Yeah. Lack of. Lack of lack of dignity, Australia. Mm. You know, you're good, you're good cricket players, but do you know one thing, John, I will say to us? New Zealand has 100,000 registered cricket players. Australia has half a million. Yeah, we, 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 the Kiwis have got to stop pulling those stats out because uh, we always pull those stats it's a good out. Stat. It's a good stat. It's a good stat. We you did bloody well to get to the final. You should have saved that for Statistic next oh, week. Oh, I should have. It should have been Statistic. <laughs> anyway, well done, Australia. John, we had Ironman South Africa. It's a championship race. And Jeepers Creepers, old Luke Van Leer. I mean, um, not Luke Van Leer. Frederick Van Leer. Luke made a comeback and he won it. Yeah. Um, Luke, Freddie Van Leer, he absolutely dominated. For a pro, I'm going to say that's almost a domination of a dojo for men. It is 14 minutes. That's pretty good. It is pretty impressive. And, and a championship race. Mm. Yeah. It was it was a you know it was a solid field. It wasn't like he beat Easy Beats. He beat Ivan Rana, who's an Ironman winner and former World ITU champion, and then Bart Arnotts, who's also you know a multiple winner, one of the fastest runners in the sport, and uh, just took them out. So I, I had a very very quick look at the coverage on the day, just because I was intrigued to see if they were going to do a similar sort of level for what they do at Melbourne and and obviously at Kona. And they did. They had uh, for, for the couple of minutes that I watched, they had. TV coverage, they had Paul Newby Fraser and the guy who, who does a lot of the voice work for Ironman at uh, a lot of the European races there, seemed to be doing a nice job, had uh, good video footage, granted again I only watched for a couple of minutes, they obviously had the GPS trackers on because I could see that the map feature was going and the you know, little spots were, were moving, I hope further down the track, I'm not going to give them a hard time but I hope that they bring more functionality into that in terms of actually being more than just a map with dots moving on it. So yeah. I think it's they're going in the right direction. But again, as you were saying last week, it's kind of like beta technology. It's it's total start of this and so mm. it will evolve and hopefully it evolves into something that's pretty great. Um, it adds a lot more to the viewer experience. Oh, totally. Yeah. So uh, yeah, early, early stages but hopefully by the time we get to Kona, you had to click on that map and you'll say, right, there's Pete Jacobs, and he is either, uh, if they can't do times, they can say he is one yeah. kilometre behind the, the leader, and you can go, okay, well, that's roughly that time. So um, I think that's, that's going to be fantastic if they can get that up and running. And, uh, yeah, it was it was some, um, some interesting racing, but total dojo domination because, yeah, so Freddie Van Leer. Pretty great race. Hey, look at the times. His swim was strong. His bike was he just killed the bike, them. but then to run a sub 250 after that bike, mm. pretty impressive. 8.16.35, so he swam 49, 4.32 on the bike, and then a 2.49 for 8.16. Uh, I don't think it was quite a course record, though. No, it wasn't, and he said he's coming back next year to get the course record. He mm. wanted to get the course record, mm. and he's saying, I'm coming back next year, and I will get it. He was quite confident. In <laughs> so he's ticked the box. He's off to Kona. He would be off anyway because he's a past champion years, yeah. and he just needed to finish a race but he's he's a guy that doesn't really get the credit I don't think that he's due no, because no. he's a Kona champion he won like Abu Dhabi beating some of the best guys in the world well, and I remember at that time it was a bit of a shock to us wasn't it because he was mm. kind of a guy who we kind top, of knew always of, top five guy and then he just had this stellar result and then he had another big result didn't he was it mm. was it Germany was some other big race well, he got, he got uh, before se- he won second Kona. last year to Keenlay in Germany and Keenlay was on fire yeah. um, so he is a consistent performer and we've got to remember he he wasn't that far off winning Kona last year like I know I can't remember his exact placing but up until the Energy Lab, you know, when you interviewed him, he was 
right in it. Mm. I think he was sitting in second or third or something and then had, had a bad patch and lost quite a few places. So he may well fly under the radar again for the rest of the year. He's the kind of guy that people won't pick for the winner mm. at Kona, but then if he wins it, everyone goes, oh, yeah, well, there's yeah. no surprise. Yeah. You know, like it's, yeah. So very strong day. So he beat Eva and Rana, um, basically did it on the on the. But bike. Rana ran up, didn't he? Rana was well behind. Yeah, so Rana ran two two forty eight, fantastic run, and he got came through for second place eight thirty, and then Bart Arnott's didn't have his most stellar day on the run. Uh, he finished in eight thirty five and third. Matt Trotman, who is the local South African, just pipped in there, just beating Nico Lanos in fifth place. So great field when you got guys like Bastideran in sixth, Cyril Vino in, in eighth, um, James Kanana in tenth, Kyle Buckingham in eleventh. So you know that's. Chalkinson didn't have a great race. He only came in 18th. Fraser Cartmel's right down there. And then Sam Guide was the the fastest age grouper in 9.13. Just um, one place, but 13 minutes in front of Jody Swallow, who took out the girls' race. So one thing that's really interesting right now is that it's almost like if you win a championship race, especially these early season ones, you know, like you win Melbourne, you win, you know, um, South Africa. Is there one before Christmas? There's no championship race before Christmas. No, no. So they'll have... uh, They'll have Brazil. Germany. They'll have Brazil, Germany, and North America coming up. Or, uh, so they have Latin America, North America, and Germany to go. So there's still three to go. Now we talked to Jeff Simons later on the show, and, and uh, you know we talked to him a little bit in his, his interview towards the end, talking about how you know now he's got a free slate for the year. Mm. And the fascinating thing is now they've done this, Jeff could go race all challenge races. Mm. You know what I mean? Like um, you know who knows what we didn't really give us his trajectory moving forward but if we think about it you know from here forward he's he's he can buggy wtc it's almost funny really that the way they've created which i understand is should be the perk of getting to corner if you win a championship race mm. but it's also a funny situation which gives them such an advantage because now they can look at their season in a totally different way i think the advantage was largely their before because I think if you, if won, you won the championship you probably got enough points anyway yeah but I think it is I, I still think it's um it's it's a great move and it, it just adds a you know a little bit of prestige to it so uh good good on WTC for doing that Girl, yes. girls side of things Jody Swallow basically won the race with her outstanding swim um, swam 50 minutes as per usual just uh killed it in the swim rode 520 and then ran 3.10 for an 9.26 end up being a 5 minute victory over Lucy Gossage which is a fantastic race for her but she loses 10 minutes in the swim bikes the same as Jody Swallow outruns her by 4 minutes um, and yeah the difference Didn't was Lucy win it last year? No, she, uh, I won't say no 100% but she's definitely won races but, Yeah, because oh, uh, no, I was just reading in the notes I'm pretty before, sure the, she did. before the show and they're saying that, that Lucy was trying to repeat what she did last year I think and so but uh, that could be wrong Go to Torsten's website, go to Try Rating, and that's okay. the easiest, quickest way try to get all your information because be, he'll have all last, last year's past one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm 100% she didn't win last year. Okay, I'm going to go Try but Rating right now. That's a great, great result for her. And then we did have Camilla Peterson who did ride up to Jody Swallow during the bike, and then but then faded a little bit uh, towards the end. So Jody was first off the bike and just uh, hung tough, and it sounded like she was in a, a little bit of a bad way at the finish. Susie Cheatham from Great Britain. Oh, she didn't win it last year, but she did run down Jodie Swallow. Oh, right. So she got second last year, mm-hmm. and Jodie got third. Simone 
Bradini. Yeah. Yeah, she got first. There you go. Susie uh, Cheatham from um, Great Britain in third, only two minutes back, came home with a really strong 303 marathon. And Camilla Peterson, who had that storming bike and then uh, then went backwards a little bit, was fourth and Diana Riser in fifth place. So, yeah, good strong field. Again, you know, you've got people like Britta Martin, who's won Ironman races, only managing seventh. Uh, Likewise with uh, Caitlin Snow Snow and Sonia Tashik was uh, back there in tenth. So, um, yeah, it was a yeah, good, strong field. Okay, we also announced that uh, the Better Man Bintan Triathlon, which has been going for a few years now, has now actually been converted into the Swiss Bell Hotel Ironman 70.3 Bintan in Indonesia. So, bit sad. Bintan was the one where they paid a lot of money too, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So and that was a full distance, wasn't it? It was. They had a full and a half. Yeah. Because so, it was normally around August, and we'd always said, bring it earlier so you can get mm. the Kona guys here. So it's yeah, it's a bit sad because uh, from what I could see, um, it, there, there was no – from the press release, I couldn't see anything about the prize money or anything like that. But they, I'm sure if they had the big prize money, they would have been letting people know – kind of felt it was inevitable that it was either going to go to Challenge or to, to Ironman. You know, the standalone events just just Ooh. struggling. Yeah. You know, really struggling So in terms of getting the, the big numbers. so And these guys tried because, you yeah. know, like, A, they put up a lot of prize money. For, for a couple, it was two or three years. They, yeah, they it was money. big prize money. It was one of the biggest prize monies on, mm. on the circuit, really. Also, they were really good at communication. Like, they would contact us every year and say, what can mm-hmm. we do to make sure you give us exposure? You know, mm-hmm. they, they were really good at getting behind the scenes. Like, it seemed like they were a pretty professional organisation who were ticking all the boxes, and even then, mm. it was a struggle. So it'll be really fascinating to see now they've got this the label. It'll be 7.3, and... Uh, Bang, booyah. Boom, boom, I bet you they get uh, heaps more entrance. It's a funny old system. One other thing we didn't mention, um, pretty much the North American seasons kicked off, and they had oceans. we had Oceanside at the weekend, only 70.3, and I know we're really random when it comes to whether we report 70.3s, but a really good, strong field there. Jan Fredino kicked off the season where he sort of finished last year by um, having a really strong race, taking it out from Andy Potts, Lionel Sanders, Brent McMahon, and Jesse Thomas. He ran a 110. To, to clean them out on the run so that's pretty impressive man some of these fields are just so deep and yet the prize money you know only goes a, a little way down but you know you've got guys like Christian Kemp and Paul Matthews and Scott DeFilippis and guys like that sort of 16th 17th 18th <coughs> place tough way in some races to try to make a buck and on the girls side of things Heather Jackson Heather Jackson take it out from uh, Heather Wirtle and Holly Lawrence so pretty close racing with the girls only uh, two two and a half minutes or so covering the top top three John's ITU update John but we had Auckland I didn't even look at it I, oh. I, I remember thinking after the fact oh that was on yeah no, but there was cricket very day low profile in New Zealand because really of was, the cricket. Yeah. Uh, and also we don't have any um, many prominent athletes these days. We have Andrea Hewitt flying the flag for the girls, but on the boys we don't really have anybody that's likely to be in the top five. Um, and, you know, top ten for those guys is really good. I did channel surf just a couple of times during the cricket. Sort of so it was on when the cricket was, was on, was it? That was what was even more disappointing for the men's race. It started at 4.35 oh, and the no cricket started at 4.30. Nobody. The crowds did look a bit sparse. There was still people there, but... Yeah, that's uh, no, totally different, isn't it? it? Uh, that cricket wasn't on. Yeah. yeah that would have hurt. In previous years, when I've been up there, you know, the crowds have been fantastic. You know, yeah. So it's a really good spectator course. So that hurts downtown. the race? Um, I think people will... Yeah. Uh, like it did this year, but do you think it has an impact on... Going forward? Yeah. Uh, 
I don't think so. I, I'm not. I have a funny feeling this might be the last Auckland race anyway. Um, Why? It's just because too hard. Yeah, it's just you know, we've seen it with seventy point three shutting down a big city is extremely expensive. Yeah. So anyway, um, in terms of the race, the boys got a you know breakaway going on, and it was a good probably ten or twelve in the in the break, and uh, Johnny Brownlee picked up a, pulled up his socks. He had a pretty average race for by his standards in the first round in Abu Dhabi, and uh, pushed off the front early in the run, ran thirty twenty nine on what is a reasonably challenging run course. It's not hilly, but it's just up and down a little bit, up and down Queen Street, and uh, beat out Javier Gomez, who said he wasn't on his on his top form, but still he was pretty happy to get second. He's only fifteen seconds down on Brownlee, and then Pierre Lacour was in third place and yeah it's just good to see that these guys managed to shut out the second group you know we had guys like Mola who has won the first race pretty convincingly didn't have the great swim get shut out probably the more interesting race though well probably was less interesting but uh, a fantastic result for Gwen Jorgensen who I'm often somewhat critical of of her biking ability but this time round uh, on, a, on a really challenging course but she's a gun runner isn't it? Oh, no, she is a machine runner I don't know much about these girls but and she normally she'd just get popped straight away on the bike. She wouldn't even be able to keep up on a course like this. This time she uh, she stuck with it. She was at the back of the pack pretty much all the time that it, when I saw. Um, and then then it was like you're just going. This is absolutely race over. It was a race for second place. And uh, yeah, she just unsurprisingly gassed it. But very impressed with her ability to improve her bike leg and she won from Katie Zaveras and Andrea Hewitt who had to was in third and she had to serve a, a, a littering penalty she oh, dropped, really? dropped a gel and uh, and got a got a littering penalty was littering, it 10 seconds uh, was it 10 or 15 it was 10 or 15 and uh, and she had a real fight on to to hold on to to get into third place, and so it was um, pressure cooker stuff. Good on you, because she must be getting a bit long in the tooth now, Andrea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think she was, you know, really battling to decide whether she'd st- stick with the sport all the way through to Rio, but she's kind of made that commitment now. So it's f- funny old thing the girls at the moment. You know, a few years ago, Andrea. Uh, I, I would imagine she's just stayed at the same level. I don't think she's necessarily improved hugely. Yep. Um, and but a couple of years ago, so many girls have just come and gone. They've come on and they've smoked it for a season, and then they've just either got injured or whatever. But they just disappear. Um, so we've had a number of them come in. So we had uh, the British girl, Non Stanford. She won the the finale in London, I think it was, or somewhere a few years ago. I haven't seen anything from her since. Um, and then we've had the Canadian girl. Um, her name eludes me, but a couple of Canadian girls have come on and just crushed her. Uh, Finlay, Paula Finlay, she came on, and she just hasn't been able to come back, whether through injury or whatever. You just don't see her name anymore. So it's a funny old game, but at the moment, Gwen Jorgensen is basically unbeatable okay uh jumbo that's pretty much the news for this week so let's talk about a sponsor trainer road the trainer road challenge is underway okay so what's the story jumbo what's happening in the trainer road trainer road challenge well if if you're not on it already you're kind of going to miss the boat in terms of trying to be able to complete all of the 10 rides so but you can still go on there and we've got a really cool series of rides they're not going to disappear and you can go on there and if you want to do your own personal challenge it'll be a great way to sort of kickstart your season so if you're going to train a road you join up uh, it's only 10 bucks a month under the teams we've got an IM Talk team you click on that and then uh, then we'll basically within our workout library you'll see CJNC 
Coach John Newsom challenge, and then there's 10 stages to go through. And uh, Is this a brand now? Because I did notice in my show notes today, yeah. we've got a section which is just called CJN Update. I don't yeah. know, so what's CJN? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait a second, is you that meant to be Coach John Newsom? He worked that one oh, out. And, so we can, and, the, and the cool thing is you can go on here and you can see uh, okay. you can see different people who have done the workouts and you can see how well they've done. So good old, uh, who, who have we got here? We've got Adam, uh, Adam Philby. He did the Stage 9 Goal Gotha, and it uh, looks like he totally smoked it. So this, this. How does he? How do you know he smoked it? Well, you, you can you can basically see the intervals there, and you can see the yellow line is how closely he was able to stick to it. So he's, oh, he's, he's done, done pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's done pretty good. So some this, other people are fading in the last ones, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So this is a two-hour workout, and it's got three 30-minute intervals at 82 to 90 percent of FTP, with five minutes recovery in between them. <laughs> nice. So it's a good old, good you know, two-hour. Most people done pretty well. Ride. Go, yeah. go up a little bit higher. Yeah. Oh no, the other way. The other way, go down. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people have just got um, the usernames rather than the actual names. Colin, Colin's IT, he's, he's smoked it pretty well. It even even went a little bit hard there yeah. towards the end, as did uh, Scuba AC. <laughs> Scuba AC, look, they smashed it at the end, didn't they? So, yeah, so this, guys, um, if you've got like a Wahoo kicker and stuff, you can do these things really, really precisely. But as we've talked about several times before, you don't have to have a power meter, you don't have to have a smart trainer. You can get on there and you can use virtual power and you can get on there and give them a real good crack. So we've got a variety of workouts in there. There's a, a step test, which I had one of my athletes do uh, a little while ago, and then also we've got the 125% of FTP and then you've got a bunch of other good workouts so if you need a little motivation a little kick to get your biking on track then get on trainer road and get underway and take the uh, the 10 workout challenge and get stuck in. Okay trainerroad.com guys remember it's pretty cheap 10 bucks a month it's a bit of a no brainer. Jombo this week's discussion so last week we had a discussion should anything be done to change the I'm just putting up a little Facebook here. Uh, change the legacy slash lottery slot system for Kona. And, and we had a couple of emails that kind of led us to the thinking, really, didn't we? Yeah, so Karen Sigarion, I'm sorry for Karen if I got your surname wrong there, she um, sort of, yeah, as Bevan said, um, prompted this discussion. So she wrote us an email, had to write to share the loser's side of the legacy lottery. It takes effort, money and dedication to get in the, lot- the legacy lottery. I was motivated to finish 12 races um, by the promise of Kona. My family, friends, swimmers, um, I coach, the students I teach, we've all been anxiously awaiting the lottery result. This was drawn, um, I think it was last so week. So this is the legacy lottery. Legacy, so you have to have done 12 Ironmans to be uh, eligible in the pool. Here's the rub, it just... It isn't just dis- disappointing not to be selected. The WTC requires legacy athletes to have finished an Ironman in each of the past two calendar years and be registered in the current year. Since there's no guarantee that you ever get selected, the WTC can string you along indefinitely. If you have an injury, or heaven forbid, or you have a life, <laughs> have a, or heaven forbid, have you have a life, and you fail to complete a race in a calendar year, well, you've got to rebuild your racing resume to be eligible again. As an example, I was on the start line at Tahu this year when it was cancelled due to the forest fire. Chaos ensued trying to figure out how to race again in 2014. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I hadn't actually really thought that point, through. Yeah. Um, given the choice, I'd sit it out and try it again um, when to fit in my life. So, you, yeah, I hadn't th- good point. And she's saying it's not really an option for the legacy program. Yeah. Um, it, would, it would be so much better if WCC would just allow those who compete 12 races to be legacy eligible. I agree. Um, mm. That would avoid punishing the loyal by um, a. Bl- 
obligating them to register and race yearly just to punch their pass for the year. Shouldn't age group athletes be afforded a little more flexibility? We are doing this for recreation. Clearly the program isn't about loyalty or rewarding loyalty, it's about money. WTC wants to empty their pockets of the most frequent and loyal participants. I'd advise athletes who are aggressively pursuing the Magic 12 to realise they might really be looking at 16 or 20 or heaven knows how many races. It could drag on for years. I'd certainly caution not to follow my path which was over racing to complete 12 races. I'm not sure I'll ever get to Kona but I'm sure I've spent a lot of money racing and trashing my body trying. I'm very happy for selected athletes and I think the Legacy is a great program. Even the fact that it's a lottery not a guarantee is fair. Um, it's a sting along, string along obligation to race which seems almost cruel and stinks of greed. I just hope to reveal this downside to athletes before they feel like they've gone so far in the tunnel of legacy they can't turn back. Love you guys. Thanks for being a voice for us little guys and girls. Love you too, Karen. That's a, that's a really good email, isn't it? And so, yeah, some good, some good points that I perhaps hadn't really thought about. I thought, you know, you, I kind of think if you want to be part of this, you kind of do need to be a current athlete, but I hadn't thought about those instances if you do get injured. And say you're a, a Kiwi athlete, for example, you've got one... Iron Man in New Zealand, yeah. and let's say you're not a Richie Rich, you can't go. I'll just pop off and do another one somewhere. Then you go, boom, that's one year out. That means it's another three years before I can actually get back in that pool of athletes. So, you know, I, I agree on a number of points there that having that. Well, wait, let's, let's see what other people think first. And then, so, do you want to start? Yep, Matt Rides. Yeah, I think you put in the show notes this week. What's that about? I just wanted to make sure I got the good ones. The, the, oh. uh, they're all good. I was going to say, they're all good. what are you saying here? But the ones that are I. Are you saying uh, other people don't have good ones like Chris Haig? No, I'm saying these were my favourites. Okay. Uh, Matt Rides, I think Legacy is pretty good. As for the regular lottery, how about this? I would have a lottery at each full Ironman and let all racers who have never raced and did not qualify for Kona to be entered into a draw on site at the awards ceremony. You get picked, you sign up, like every age group winner. If you don't want it, pick again. Maybe one male, one female per race. Eliminates the validation as that was done by the on the, the day before and gives hopes to the middle of the pack, back of the path back of the pack athletes that they might get to Kona. Downside of that, Matt, I think it's a, actually think it's a really good idea, but then all of a sudden WTC loses a stack load of money because people don't enter the lottery, so Sorry, that one won't work. But I think it's a good idea. We'd love to know how many people entered the lottery. I, th- I don't know if they published it, but I think it's quite a lot. Because what are they charge? Uh, I think it's 50 bucks. Let's say there's $50,000. You, you're just writing off $50,000. Mm. Mm. And you give away, but you give away 100 entries. So it must be more than 1,000. Yeah, it's it must just, be thousands. Yeah, um, Chris Haig, from purely a business perspective, it's a sheer marketing genius. Get people to buy twelve races to get in the possibility of an entry for one more. Yeah, it's very true. Um, so remember, we're talking legacy and lottery program <laughs> yep. here. George Banks got to say after winning a, uh, a place to Kona this year in the lottery, I wouldn't change anything. I love it. In terms of people saying about the validation, you actually need to complete a 70.3 or full distance within a year's, the, within one year of last year's World Championship race. If I was forced to change one thing, I would agree with others that, who have said about being mandatory to have to complete at least one full distance race. But like I've already said, I certainly have no issues with it at all. Mr. Money. Well, there's the thing. We, got, we also got quite a few emails. It was really interesting because I got uh, Karen's email 
and and literally like the next email I get was yes I've won a lottery slot and there was, <laughs> and it was kind of like, a there was a lottery from a legacy people and then there was the people who just won the pure lottery slot as well and it was just one of those moments where it's like oh this is really hard because you have some people who are absolutely over the moon mm. and then you read something like Karen's and you feel wow she's committed so much to the sport and she mm. feels ripped off and Jeff Bradley's got uh, should require both validation and completion of at least one full distance race from the past lottery slots uh, also way to uh, long of an interval between when you can sign up and when the winners are announced. Otherwise, I think it works well. Didn't get a spot this year, but doing Challenger off, so crossing another race off the bucket list. Um, Tom Morwood, I think that having a lottery is a joke. Being able to effectively buy your way into a world championship event, albeit via a raffle, makes a mockery of the concept of having to qualify. Mm-hmm. If you can't qualify via the regular slot roll-down process, then guess what? You're just not good enough to be at the world championships. I agree with that point to a degree, but maybe have a listen to Valerie Silk's interview this week on Legends of Triathlon as well. And I think Yes, kind of has become the world championships and it is the world championships. It's the best of the best. But when it was first started, it was a different ethos and they they really laid that down sort of as, as a marker for that race that they wanted it to be accessible to Joe Bloggs. But in but, 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 saying that, and, and I totally hear where you start coming from there, do you think that at that time there was only one Ironman? Yeah, a couple of other people have, have brought that up. You know, so, so like, sure, it, when Conan first came along, well, we want to keep this accessible to everyday people. Well, cool, mm. when there's one or two races in the world, that's a different beast. Now, everyday people can choose to do bloody 50 Ironman races around mm-hmm. the world. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of maybe been cancelled out. Uh, yeah. Um, again, I'm hearing you. You're hearing me. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of hearing happening. But I think for the sake of it, 100 slots, I think it's a cool thing about our sport that's, yep. that's still there. If yep. it was if significantly more, I'd be singing a different tune. But uh, What I tune would you sing? Stuart Martin Lawrence, lottery at each full Ironman. I like the legacy program and hopefully it will be on course. I'll be on course to complete my 10th Ironman this year. Therefore, legacy program for me will be an option soon. It is interesting, and, and at least got, um, as someone who just got a lottery slot, I am happy, of course, but I agree that with the need to general lottery winners to validate with a full Ironman race, legacy athletes have to, which is really fascinating. If you're a legacy, you have to do a full Ironman. If you're not a legacy, you don't. Yeah, I, I, that's, uh, I'm going to jump ahead to what my opinion is. I definitely think you've got to do a full Ironman, yeah. and I think you need to have done a full Ironman before you can enter the lottery, not after the fact, oh, you've won a lottery slot, now you've got to go and do a race. I think to be eligible for a lottery So you think the lottery should be... Uh, uh, you must have done an Ironman okay. before you can okay. enter. Just one, one other reply. One, My final one that I've got, and it was a reply to Stuart Martin Lawrence's one, is Sean O'Keefe. I applied for this year, Stuart, but so did 225 others, so it's going to get longer and longer process, unfortunately. Yeah, this so, is the legacies. Yeah, legacy. So 100 of those guys got slots, so 125 missed out. Yeah, so it's a pretty interesting. I'll finish off with David uh, Sobel. Uh, as a mid-pack racer, my... Only likely shot at Kona is the lottery. I know. Oh, cheaper what I do there. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, okay. Wait a second. Uh, I know that there is a one and out policy for the legacy program. I would suggest that the same applies for the lottery. Once you've get your lottery slot race. 
go race, have a blast, and then you're out of the queue. Let someone else have their chance. I know it probably doesn't happen often, but it doesn't seem quite fair. I don't know if there are very few who have gotten more than a lottery slot once. I mean, if you can qualify year in, year out, then good on you. But if there is a provision, then it shares the the pieces nicely. Uh, I would also support that all entrants to the lottery system do at least one Ironman races. Jombo, your thoughts? Um, okay, so on the, the lottery side of things, I think more or less leave it as it is. I think they made some alterations to that. I think they used to have the American lottery and the rest of the world, which was so disgustingly unfair. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm pretty sure they've removed that. So I think the, in terms of the lottery, the only thing I'd really change is, as I've said, is you've got to have done nine men um, before you can enter the lottery. But then at the same time, one of the things about, like I remember when I was in Kona and I was talking to this lady and she was doing Kona, she won the lottery, I was just kind of getting my numbering done or something, mm. and she was someone who never looked at Ironman, and never thought about it ever, and, and thought, oh, she just saw it one day on the internet, and thought, oh, bugger this, I'll sign this up, and she won, and mm. it was like, wow, and now she was doing it. Mm. So you, it's kind of, you know, like you can kind of yeah, see that I, for the everyday person, that it's more, oh, here's an exciting challenge, they never thought of it doing an Ironman, they win it, they go, bugger, I'll do it. Mm. So it's a, it's a hard one, isn't it? It is, but I'd still say you've got to have done an Ironman. Um, and then in terms of the legacy side of things, uh, yeah, having read Karen's email, I would say it is a bit of a hard ask to have that three-year commitment saying you must have done. If you've already got your 12, if you've got to do it, have be current with the last two years plus be ended for the next year, I think maybe they could relax that a little bit. And, and the, the other thing I'd change about the legacy, and I'm not sure if this actually happens or not, is the legacy should be a cumulative thing. If you enter it one year, then you've got a better chance of getting in the next year. I think that already works. It doesn't have that wording on the website. So with the lottery, if you enter one year and then you enter the next year, you've got two slots. You keep entering, you get more and more chances to win. So, and I think kind of the same thing should happen with legacy. If you enter one year and you miss out, you've got a better chance the next year. You've got two tickets in. I have a feeling something like that happens, but it doesn't look like it's publicly stated that way. So I've had athletes the last two years that have both got in through the um, legacy program, and I think it's cool. Uh, they're absolutely pumped to be there. One other thing I changed about legacy was my feeling is you need to be racing for 10 years to get in via the legacy. So I had, I had an email in from Jim Picker, and he was this year doing his 30th consecutive. He's done every LA marathon, 30 oh, in a row. Cool. And he, he sent me a picture of the Auckland Marathon, and they didn't have me on there. And, I, and he was just somewhat surprised that I wasn't in, at, at a booth. They had a booth at the expo, and they didn't have anything about me racing the Auckland Marathon. That is seriously unbelievable. Well, he was surprised. I, I'm surprised right now, because I normally you're the face of the Auckland Marathon yeah. every year. And that was sort of what... Because they go, this guy's done a 236 here, 38, 238. Yeah, yeah. This guy's a legend. And, but that, that's just, so say Jim, who's done 30 LA marathons, let's say that was a... LA Ironman he's the kind of guy you go man he deserves to, to be able to have a, a slot to go to I, I totally get what you're saying yeah so do you don't like Jim no I hate Jim <laughs> <laughs> no, Jim's a good guy no what I'm saying I don't agree with the 10 year thing um, I know that you're saying that they've been in the sport for a long period of time but not everyone's going to commit 10 years of their life to Ironman and if you want to have the goal of you know there's a set of rules and you want to knock out 3 years and try to do 12 Ironman you play by the rules. I totally agree. Yeah. Whatever the rules are, you play by the rules. But, I'm, but, I'm saying the but rules I don't think that. I don't. I don't think you necessarily have to have the ten year rule. I don't think. It, I don't think it adds any value to it. I think if anything, because like ten years in Ironman's a huge life commitment, mm -hmm. and really not many people do that. 
Yeah. Not many people. It's a it's a minority. Yeah. Um, and so I think that you know having time restriction around the time you've done it. Like there are going to be people who try and knock out play twelve Ironman in a year, which is in some ways is crazy. But hey, that's if that's the experience they want to have. I do feel a bit sorry for Karen, but I'm not quite sure how they figure it out. Uh, like the thing that you've got to acknowledge is if you've done ten I twelve Ironman. Mm. You know how to do an Ironman. Do you necessarily have to prove for two years beforehand that you to do one? And I think that maybe <clears throat> that, that two years is a bit of taking the piss, mm. um, and it's obviously just profiteering. Mm. That m- maybe in the year of you have to do at least a seventy point three or a, or a, or a full. Um, but I don't think I think the two year thing is unfair. I, I, I think if it was one year, it'd be fair. Yeah, then totally. Then yeah. if you go, oh, you're injured, you go, oh, I've got to wait another year. I can do a race next year. And then I'll be entered for the following year. I think that, but two years makes it. Yeah, that three. But even the one year is hard, isn't it? Because it's almost like it's almost like they should do the lottery slot way earlier. Although it's early enough, I suppose. But let's say they did the lottery slot pretty much as soon as for the legacy program. So the different the other lottery is different because people enter after the fact. But let's say it's almost like they have the world championship the next week, next year's lottery legacies get announced, Mm. and then you have four months to validate your legacy. So, you know, then you, so, okay, so you do, I'm coming up with a genius plan here, John. It's all coming out of my head as I think. Um, you do have Kona, 2015's done. Then the next week they announce the lottery, the legacy winners for next year's Kona, the 100 people who have made it in. Mm-hmm. And they get until the end of January to validate their slot. So they have to do a 70.3. Well, no, they can't do that because what if you live in North America, there's no races. Okay, well, let's say six months. You, you, a time period that, that's realistic. Hmm. That that you can then validate that you were, and to do that, you have to have to do a seventy point three or an Ironman, and then at the end of six months, if people have not validated, then other people can come on the list. Mm. I don't know. I just think that to have to do one because the thing is, the year thing, you, you're trapped in it, then, aren't you? Mm. you oh know, yeah, you got to keep keep going. You got to keep doing an Ironman, and I don't know. It seems a bit. And so, if there was two hundred twenty five people that got in this year, uh, two hundred twenty five people this year, and it's only second year, hundred got in. Then the next year, let's say nobody else enters, is still. 25, 25 people, people are going to miss out. And next year is going to be more 300 people because yeah. they're going to be chasing it. So, uh, b- but at the same time, it's a good little money maker. But, again, being devil's accurate, by doing that three-year process, you are keeping that number down to maybe a more manageable number. Yeah, if you true. If you remove all that stuff and just say, if you've done 12 Ironmans, you can go on the legacy, you don't have to do anything, then that number is just going to explode because there must be a lot of people that have done 12 Ironmans, but they might not have raced an Ironman once every year for the last three years. But so. then at the same time, if you go back to your 10-year thing, let's say... Let's say <laughs> There's no easy solution here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that is the thing. But let's say, you know, I, did, I didn't do 10 Ironman, I think I did 8 in my time, but no, we know Ironman, but let's say I did 10 Ironman or mm. 12 back in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, is, like, is it unfair on me that I can never come, you know, come back and do the go for the legacy? Or, it's you know, really, it's kind of three or four years for me to get the reward of my work. Mm. Yeah, it's a tough one. You've got to, hard, you gotta get work, to work hard to get to Kona. Whatever way you look at it, some guys spend six, seven, eight years, ten years trying to qualify, so they've had to put on the hard work that way, whereas these people who are just completing ten, not, that's still bloody hard. But it was our idea, John. They stole the idea from us, didn't they, originally? They didn't steal it. They announced <laughs> it on our show. It's right, but we, we thought of it originally, didn't we? I actually yeah. think it came up with one of these moments of ours. Yeah, there we go. So we haven't really got an answer for you. No, sorry, Karen. The one other thing, we did have an email in as well. I didn't realise there are military slots as well. as a military um, Yes, we got an email from someone who did Melbourne and uh, 
And they were just saying that you, the military... This is like, look. There's six military slots and only three people entered or something like that. And the females. So uh, someone raised, uh, not verified by... Uh, but they were told that there were five slots for each sex. Mm-hmm. Evidently, only three women were entered in the category. It is fear that is it fear that an athlete can choose to whether they can enter as an age group or military, depending on which category they deem to be weak and to maximise chance of qualification. We we just look at the military in a different way in New Zealand. So I think what we say might be totally different to what you Americans the way you but look at military people. They wouldn't have had that many just for Australian military. I, th- I think that would have been a global thing. So it's just any military? What if you work oh, for Al-Qaeda? I don't know. Because that's probably military. Is it just militaries we like? Yeah, we should have researched that one before. We <laughs> is it only it. allied militaries? Yeah. <laughs> it's like opening an ugly door here. I remember when, when um, the Navy sponsored... Uh, Kona yeah. and had the big warship out, out, out mm. in front and uh, I remember talking to a few people and they weren't happy with that mm. it's like this is a global sport you can't you know US military anyway um, this week's discussion John that was a good discussion this week's discussion I don't think we came up Paul, with any solutions yeah Paul Silky Smooth, Smooth Williams sent this one through he, he had a question um, what could the WTC or individual athletes do to increase the sense of competing for your country at Kona i.e. national flag or country names on bibs, flags, tattoos above or below your race number or on, on your arm. I decided to pad this out a little bit because Paul may or may not be aware that some countries are actually starting to do a really good job of this. New Zealand and Australia most notably. We have a, a, a breakfast over in Kona for, for athletes, a t-shirt and now there is the option of racing in the kit. The kit. Oh, so a lot of, especially the Aussies, um, they were out there racing in the Aussie kit and I know for Kiwis racing at 70.3 or um, Kona that you could have bought a, a bought a Kiwi kit and be out there racing under your national banner so that was all good so it is starting to happen but my question is um, would racing for your country at regional championships make any difference for you or is there anything WTC or other organisations could do to make racing for your country more of a big deal or should they not do anything so let's say for example you know if you go and race in Melbourne and you you can wear a, your country Okay. Well, it's Should interesting, isn't it? Like I did Kona. Is, is there something they could do? I qualified for Kona, and I didn't think I was representing my country. Hmm. But then, at the same time, I could have easily gone and tried to enter for the long course world champs, and hmm. would have easily got getting to Kona was a harder mission hmm. than getting to the, the, the ITU world champs in the long distance, hmm. and probably even the sprint distance. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so when I was at yeah. my peak, I would have easily got to those yeah. races. Yeah. Whereas Kona was, you know, I had to have a great day. Mm. And I couldn't go around telling, I never thought to go around telling people who I'm representing my country. Mm. And, but in theory, you kind of are, aren't you? Mm. And, so I'm, I'm and just I want, think people would like that. Yeah, so just wondering if there's things you guys think that WTC or other race organisers could do at regional championship races um, to promote Countryism, or is it just a countryism? Yeah, that's no worse. Or is it just a waste of time? And, and it's not that big a deal. Country and eat a lot of peaches. Okay, Jonbo, I'm not even put music on. Ready? Three, two, one. Statistic. It's fantastic. Okay, well, now the, the big question really for statistic for the 2015 is: Will it last? Because he started strong and I lost my pen. I'm struggling. And 
And I, I, I thought it would struggle to be honest, but you haven't missed a week, so I you have, have delivered. Yeah. But now we're talking running. Yeah. Well, you keep asking me all these questions all the time: is what's the fastest time? What's the world record for this? And I was like, half the time I don't have a clue, yeah. and I take a stab in the dark. And I was just for whatever reason, I think I was looking at the ITU results, and I was thinking, you know, Johnny Brownlee ran thirty something or other in Auckland. I wonder what the guys race. And so I thought, well, just for you guys out there, you may not have a clue. Like I don't have half of the time. So the current world ten thousand record is this is running only running only Kenisa Bekele is 26 17 wow Haley Gabriel mind blowing 26 26 Gabriel was just so freakingly awesome wasn't he he was and then uh, Paul Tegat is in third 26 27 it's a pity they don't have when that happened I'm oh, no, you do. If you, no, if you click on the athlete name, they'll be able to tell you that. So Kinesi Bikili set that, and that's that's when I go into the girls. I'll uh, I'll pass on my thoughts on that. Two thousand and five. Yeah, two thousand and five in Brussels. Pretty sure this is all track ten thousand, not uh, road ten thousand, because that opens all sorts of cans of worms. On the girls' side of things, Zhang uh, Wang from China is smoking miles in front, twenty nine thirty one in France, in front of um, uh, an Ethiopian Makalumi in twenty nine fifty three. Got to say that the first place one does have a little bit of an asterisk next to her. <laughs> what, what, what are you saying? Because we're <laughs> our Chinese listeners. Yeah, well, no, it was all her races are basically in Beijing, and she was part of the Turtle Blood era, which is a few asterisks there. So she did that in 1993. Was that when that, this woman said those lats, like they were seriously like? Remember that this woman's? I think it may have been just a little bit after that. Uh, the Chinese women were just crushing crushing the world at running and when you look at again this is on the IWAF site you look at all her results are pretty much all in China with the exception while while we're on the IWAF Mm. uh, just prediction Mm. high jump world record what do you reckon men I've got absolutely no idea I'm going to say 2 metres 15 Oh, you're not far off. Yeah, well, you're a little off. 230. 231. My initial thought was 220. 231. Wait a oh, second. You're on, on that's <laughs> So I'm, one, I'm 180, 180. So it's probably about that high. It, that is insane. When you hold that up against the wall. Yeah, it's great podcasting. Yeah. That but really, is just ridiculous. I'm, I'm 181. Yeah. So another 50 centimetres on top of that. It's probably, probably the top of my finger about here. Yeah, it's just so insane. That is. So if, if you're, if, just think of your height team and your arm right up to the top. So if you know you're about 150, add another metre, you know, 80 centimetres to that, that is phenomenal, isn't that it? That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. The people that jump that are probably pretty tall, though. That, that, this could be, you just tell us about athlete, athletics every week, Jumbo. Well, that's what may, it may come to that. <laughs> it may come to that. I was thinking about the Swift, some swimming records for next week, but I just think we'll keep, we'll, we'll keep Why going. Don't you, okay, here's one for next week, but a research for you. What was the first time ever in a triathlon? Okay, well, given we're recording next week's show in about 15 minutes, okay. we'll see if we can start doing your research. Okay, uh, there we go. That's fantastic. Okay, Jombo's sponsor Extreme Endurance. If, if you want to see a, a picture of running fantastic form if you go to xendurance.com yes. and you know how so many websites have the sort of scrolling pictures along the top yeah. one of their sponsors is a guy called Jordan McNamara and he's a, sort of a sub four minute miler sort of 350 or something it's a picture of him running it's just fantastic form beautiful extension through his back leg nice knee drive good body position as you would expect from a top runner but it's just a, a nice 
Nice picture. And if you want a nice picture... He's like floating too, isn't he? He is. Did you see that photo that Porno sent through? Mm, don't think so. Oh, I'll find it for you. It's very good. Okay. You can explain. I'm just going to leave well, this well, hanging. I'll show it to you once I've found it. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you want to, your as well as look fantastic running, like extreme endurance runners do, if you want your gut to be looking fantastic, uh, probiotic is a fantastic thing to be taking. We feed our little boy Thomas this pretty much every day. The extreme endurance probiotics got 25 million viable uh, probiotic cultures, only 24 bucks or 26 bucks 24 if you get it on recurring order and uh, just helps to keep your gut minimizes GI distress promotes healthy digestive activity helps boost your immune system and uh, improves absorption of vital proteins vitamins minerals and micronutrients so get on team probiotic keeps your guts in order if you've been having all sorts of problems with your stomach whether it be in races just day-to-day stuff of course you need to look at nutrition but probiotics is another fantastic way that you can help maintain good gut um, gut maintain your guts and uh and just lead a nice healthy life you found it bevan yes let's have a photo competition on right now and uh so x endurance guys extreme endurance get on it remember the promo code i am talk 10 is good for the next month or so and that will give you 10 percent discount off everything there it's good for .com.eu and .co.uk so all the dots all you guys get yourself stocked up for your summer season and make sure you use that promo code then you know that the promo we do is working yeah good time so um sls try have a photo competition happening right now and you're gonna like the photos but sean always sent one he must be on the database or something and they've sent um this through the database but there's a photo i don't know who they haven't actually got the information from who it is it's pretty cool isn't it Mm. so it's these guys dress up guys and girls dress up in triathlon gear and they're wearing their helmets and their suckies, as we call them. And they've got broomsticks. And it's sort of like, like, like Euro racing on broomsticks. But the timing of the photo is sensational. You don't think it's been photoshopped? No, I don't actually. I think they just jumped and did it. Okay. I, I, I'm, well, I could be wrong. Could be. No, I don't think they've been photoshopped because how does she get her toes like that? That's ballet stance. But I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. But if, if yeah, well done. So anyway, I might put that photo on this week's website. I'm not sure if I can. I'll steal it. Nice. That's right. Okay, Jeff Simmons Simon's interview is coming up. Fantastic result by him at the Ironman Melbourne the week before last, and he is punched his ticket to go to Kona. So here comes Jeff Simons. Here we go. Okay, on this week's show, we have man who smoked everybody, especially those Australians, smoked the Aussies last week down in, or a couple of weeks ago in Melbourne. He is Jeff Simons. He's the multiple champ at various different distances, uh, challenge Penticton, been on the podium at 70.3 Worlds, but as I said, more importantly, won Ironman Melbourne and punched a ticket if he wants to go to Kona later this year. So welcome along, Jeff. Thanks, yeah. I'm, uh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm glad to be here. Jeff, I have to say, I'm looking at your website. It's got a good website name, getugly.ca, which is always good. Uh, you need to put a bit more information about yourself on uh, your about page. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, uh, it's it's greatly in need for some updating. So I'm going to uh, just say I've been busy training, so I haven't had time. Nice. <laughs> it always got basically a professional triathlete from Canada. So here you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, that sums me up. <laughs> so, so um, some people will know of you. Um, you know, your name pops up in the results, and as I said, you know, been on the podium at seventy point three worlds. Um, we know you from Penticton. Um, but maybe just tell us a bit about uh, life before triathlon and, and how long you've been at it for. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I grew up uh, 
in Penticton, which we had Ironman Canada at since I was, I think, four years old. We moved there. Mm-hmm. And so kind of was involved in lots of different sports. But growing up in that town, it's always it's always kind of in your mind to uh, to do the race. And so we got into got into cross-country running, and our team won the provincial championships, which was our high school team did. Mm-hmm. And pretty unreal, kind of set me down this endurance sports path and ran steeplechase and cross-country at university at the UB, University of British Columbia. And then I decided to give triathlons a shot just to kind of prove to everybody it wasn't as tough and epic as they said it was. And it was as tough and epic as everyone said it was, so I was hooked. <laughs> and um, in terms of Penticton, you know, I mean, we, we know the race has been there for a long time, but how, how big a place is it? Uh, it's about 32,000 people, I think, in the, in the area. So I think it's maybe if you include all the little surrounding areas, it's about uh, about forty thousand people. That's so pretty small, pretty small. Yeah, um, but a huge endurance community there for sure. So, <laughs> so you just back from from Australia, and um, I know you were down there for a little while because I saw your your name pop up in, a, in a, at least one other result. So, um, how long were you down there for to get ready for Melbourne? Two months. I went mm. down. Um, it would have been. Like a, the first race was February first, mm-hmm. and that was Challenge Melbourne. So I was there. That would have been, um, I think I went maybe January twenty fifth and stayed till about March twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was kind of conveniently how much my health insurance would allow me to go, and also how much my girlfriend would allow me to go too. So. <laughs> Nice. And well, what was the plan with, for the trip? You know, do you often do these long trips away? And if so, what was the, obviously it was meant to accumulate in Melbourne, but what was the kind of the, the objective of the trip? Well, it's the first time I've ever done done one like this. And um, I guess if you were to say, like, what was the driving goal, it would have been to have a really good race at Melbourne and to get some points and kind of get started on the, the corner qualifications. Um you know, you you always I always kind of think of having the good race and then just the points or whatever, you know, happens after that. But um, that was kind of the main goal. But then also, my coach is Australian. Um, I guess he's kind of Canadian now, but he uh, he grew up in Australia and lived there, and so he's always trying to get me to go over there just to see, you know, how do the other guys train? What is it like over there? And and just live the endless summer that worked well for him. Can I ask what, what you know? Like, if you've been in Penticton most of your, I'm not sure if you've been there your whole athletic career. I obviously went to university. But what's it like to go to a to be in a bigger place where you're surrounded by more athletes? Uh, what have been the gains of that? Um. Well, I guess I guess like I'm right now actually in Vancouver. Oh, okay. So my girlfriend's uh, she's at the same university that I went to, but she's doing a master's program in physiotherapy, which will be sweet when she's done. Um, and so I guess I'm kind of used to being in a big center and how it's quite humbling because I think I'm – I don't think I cracked the top five of fastest runners in my neighborhood. So wow. kind of kind of keeps me motivated and keeps me going. But, um, but yeah, so it was nice being in, in Melbourne, but I actually trained up in a uh, smaller town called Bendigo. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's Leon Griffin's uh, stomping ground, so an Australian – triathlete and uh so he got me to go up there so it was it was cool training with him but it really kept that kind of that small town feel that just works well for me training 
sure. So how were you feeling going into Melbourne? You know, I saw you had fourth in Geelong. I wasn't sure how you did in that challenge race, but did you feel like you were on fire and were you using those sort of um, half-distance races as build-ups or were they pretty important for you as well? Uh, they were... I don't, know, I don't know if build up. It was definitely they were part of the training, and um, I, I tried to get fired up for every race the same. Like I put everything into it. It's just you know my coach does up the training plans, and then you know he has that kind of built in the different peaks and whatnot. But you know I I get pretty amped, so I'm not going into you know these races you know not ready to get ugly and give her 110. Yeah. Um, but I also felt. I did feel a bit uh, undercooked going into into the two races. You know, everything is, um, you know, you're planning for the Ironman, uh, especially being, you know, January at the start of our season. So I'm getting, took a big break after um, Challenge Ball Rain at the or start of December. Mm-hmm. So, you know, coming in, not sure where I'm at. You know, you're getting your equipment ready for the new year, just kind of getting ready to do this big two-month stint in a new country. And, um so I wasn't really sure how it would go, and I guess I didn't put too much stock in doing well. But uh, but no, the races both came or two fourth places, and um, they were back to backs. Never done that before, but um, but it was great to have you know two races to go well. You know they weren't you know amazing races, but they went well and were just good signs of you know you're at a good point. You know, now you're ready to do a good block and build from here. And also just the recovery between them. Uh, I think it was a good sign for the Ironman that I was able to, um, I would say, get better on that second one just by improving my execution. So, so you know, you've, you've been in Melbourne for a bit of time. You've done a few races, kind of it's building towards your peak moment. What were the expectations leading into Melbourne? Uh, <laughs> um, That's a hard I guess my, my expectations, they were pretty high. I mean... Um, I'd raced against, especially when the start list came out and, um, the guys in Bendigo, they would keep saying things like, Oh, you're our guy. You're the guy. It's all up to you. You know? So it's like, I mean, no pressure. Yeah. Well, the one friend I stayed with, he would introduce me to everyone in the town as this is the guy who's going to win Ironman Melbourne. So so, I'm like, well, you know, an Ironman, you can't think of that, right? Like, you know, the only thing that I thought about was, uh, what can I do to get to that finish line as fast as possible? And so, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the expectations are there and the pressures to do well, but, um, if there's one thing I've learned about this distance is, you know, it's, it's all just about you. <laughs> so I, th- I think honestly, even being a regional championships, there's a lot more pressure when you're the local guy headed into, you know, doing challenge Penticton, you know, there's a lot more pressure and hype surrounding that than there was going into this. And so, you know, we saw on the coverage, um, you know, Luke Bell and Nils Fromholm, you know, took a flyer off the front. Um, how did the swim and the bike go for you in terms of, I know there was a fairly big pack and I assume, I'm pretty sure you came off um, the bike in the pack, but how was the swim bike for you? Uh, the swim was um, not what I'd hoped for. I mean, uh, it was just, I don't know, We'll have to look at the training and, and whatnot, but you know my training, I felt swimming was pretty good, and I thought I would have a chance to um, to be a bit farther up, and it just you know guys were flying at the start, and it just just didn't have that gear, so I was a little bit farther down than maybe I wanted to, and because of that, I had to bike because I think I was four minutes four minutes off where Marco was, mm. and um, 
you know, but kind of threw the bad swim with my wetsuit and left it into uh, into T1, and then um, get out on the bike and thought, okay, don't worry about that, just settle into into your pace. And you know, we were going good. Saw the guys at the first turnaround at 45k, and I thought we'd see a big pack at that point, and they're a bit strung out. And I think that gave me some confidence that we were we were gaining on some guys. But I think it gave uh, the German Per Bittner even more confidence because he just just hammered it. <laughs> and uh, I had a, a young guy, a, a young Melbourne, um, young Melbourne guy, Lockie, in front of me, and uh, you know I, he wasn't quite ready to go with that, so I had to. Kind of come around him and try and catch back up to Per, and, and he was on a mission. So I rode quite a bit harder than I'd ever planned, and I haven't done those kind of spikes in an Ironman. And so when we caught the group that was about 80 kilometers into into the ride, uh, I wasn't sure, you know, had I done some damage. I mean, all the horror stories you hear about people having bad Ironmans, they almost all come from throwing in massive spikes in the first half of the bike. Yeah. And so uh, kind of caught up to the group. And, you know, then just kind of sat in the back for a bit and, uh, which isn't that great of an idea because you're always kind of surging as you're getting yo-yoed and, um, but just kind of sat in that group. Yeah. Until the end of the ride. So, um, just trying to make sure that I was, I was in a bit of damage control for quite a while to make sure that I was still going to have a good run to stick to my plan. And so coming off the bike, what's your mindset? You know, you're, you're obviously a really, really good runner, um, but when yep. you're sort of 10 to 12 minutes down on, you know, Nils Fromhold, who's, um, who's you know, a really good solid athlete and had a great Kona last year, um, what's your mindset going into the run? Is it still, right, I'm just going to focus on my pace and my speed, or are you going out, um, did you go out really hard uh, and think, right, I've got to make up that 10 to 12 minutes? What, what's going through your mind coming off the bike? I think coming off the bike, it was, it was. I mean, I'd love to say I just went my own speed and I had, you know, perfect composure. But the guys around me were were kind of where your mind is because they're, you know, they're right there. You can see them. They're going hard and, um, like in that race, a lot of guys just just booted it out of transition. So um, I'd love to really. I haven't had a chance. Been just busy. Uh, with a lot of post-race stuff, I haven't had a chance to really look at, you know, the splits of everyone in those first, probably the first 5K, but they were fast. And so mm. what was going through my mind was, okay, like I feel like I'm running faster than I did when I ran 240, a 240 marathon in Whistler, mm. and and these guys are pulling away from me. And so it's kind of this this battle between, you know, you know, am I going the right pace or especially cause I don't, I don't run with watch. So I'm thinking, am I going the right pace? Is this my day or is, you know, or are these guys, am I feeling rough? And these guys are just, just kind of whooping me. And so it wasn't until there was an athlete, uh, no, I'm not going to throw his name out there, but, um, <laughs> keep some dignity, but he, I passed him and he just flew by me and, um, like flew by me. And it was at that moment that I realized, like, undeniably, okay, these guys are just going absolutely mental right now. Um, you know, settle into your pace. They're going to start to come back. So, is it um, so that, that was my thought for the first the first few K, I would say, yeah. Is, is that a hard thing to do, you know, because 
you know, it is about trusting myself and trusting what I know I can do. But it, while it's still kind of happening around you, is it a bit of a concern? You know, because I imagine deep down you wanted to win the thing or at least podium. Was that a concern? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely was. And I think, um, you know, if it was easy to keep your composure, I think everybody would do it. I think I've always maintained the belief that um, uh, there's this kind of romantic notion that if you like, you know, book it out at the start and go at this crazy pace that uh, that is very courageous, like you're putting it all out there. But mm-hmm. um, I kind of have the opposite belief that you're like you're almost selling yourself short because um, you know you've trained for this race and you know you've trained for to do a certain pace and you know if you're just going crazy at, at the start, you're not really giving yourself that opportunity. You're kind mm-hmm. of you, you're losing faith and losing that belief that you know, that you can bring it home hard, I guess, at the end. So um, I'm, I'm, I totally forgot the question. I kind of got wrapped up. In no, 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 you answered it. You're a legend. I'm, so, I'm, no, I, I'm wondering if the moment that I saw on the footage that you were just talking about when you got past, there was an overhead shot of the helicopter, and I think there was two guys running on the a sort of a boardwalk area, and one guy just smoked it past the other on the on this corner, just going in front of all these cones. It was it was pretty entertaining. Um, so, <laughs> it, 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 how, how long did it take for the guys to start? blowing up and at what stage did you sort of get to the front of the chases in terms of you know you obviously it took a while to catch um Nils Fromhold and um and Luke Bell but how how long did it take you for the pace to settle down and for you to start going past the guys who had absolutely booked it out of the out of the gun uh I think about I mean it's about five or six kilometers that I would say it wasn't that the guys started coming back but they just stop going forward mm-hmm. and so at, at that point i caught up to uh to callum millward yep. who hats off to him i mean 814 on his first ironman is is incredible and and i started talking to him a bit because you're not really you're not really out of breath at that mm-hmm. point in ironman or really ever in ironman you're just hurting but yeah. um but i was talking to him almost like you know you're having these thoughts in your mind but then when you're putting it out and getting a bit of feedback you know it just helps with confidence and so i was like i think these guys are going out too hard and and he was like yeah like we're on 240 he's like i'm trying to run a 242 and you know these guys are pulling away and so mm-hmm. but it was at that point that yeah the guys had had stopped and once they stopped getting farther ahead and once that had happened um you know it kind of got the confidence in my mind that it's like you know they're stopped now and i kind of mentally prepared for their stop now they're going to start to come back soon and mm-hmm. so i would say about i think about 12 kilometers or 13k into the race is when I caught up to Marco Albert and Jan, Ber- Jan Van Berkel. And I think I passed Brad Caulfield about 15k into the race. Mm-hmm. And so then that was kind of the point where, you know, I started to, you know, guys were starting to come back and I was, you know, kind of my, my part of the race was starting to begin. Well, how long did you run with Kellum for? Um... I I guess it was kind of weird because we ran together and then I had to pee a bit. So <laughs> as you do in Ironman, it's an ugly sport. And yeah. uh, so he got a little bit of a gap on me and then, you know, then I slowly worked my way back up. So it was probably, you know, we were probably within 20 meters for maybe at least five or six K. I mean, I don't know how long he 
stuck with me when I eventually passed them. But yeah, yeah it was quite a while. It was long enough that I was able to set up a Cupcakes with Cal interview. First Canadian on the show, apparently. <laughs> apparently, but I don't know when this is ever going to happen. So <laughs> I might get I might get snipped out before then. <laughs> so um, and and then did you just did you fit, once you sort of settled in? Were you were you feeling on fire and you feeling like right, this is going to be, you know, a pretty awesome run? Um, or were you were you getting ugly and fighting for it? Uh, uh, I'm just trying to think now. I mean, I always forget the bad parts and remember myself <laughs> feeling a lot better than I usually do. So, um, no, I'd be lying if I said I was feeling on fire. I mean, in an Ironman, you never really feel. I never really feel like great. Mm-hmm. You just kind of you're just kind of going. And I think um, I knew I felt good, and I knew from the facial expressions on. Some of the guys I was passing, I knew I felt better than they did. And um, so I knew it was going to be a good day. Um, but, yeah, to say that I felt good, that's that would be a very, very big overstatement. So at what point did you take the lead? Uh, we caught um, Niels at, I think, 31 kilometers? thirty, Yeah, 31K, I think. Mm-hmm. So, But I was going to say, um, you're, you're, you kind of alluded to him being that far up and am I thinking of thinking about him yeah and the I guess the answer is you're not yeah the answer is no I mean before the race I knew I was ready to put down a good time and I knew that um I could put down a time that would be uh competitive to something that Nils could put down and so I'm having you have a bit of confidence in that but you know when you're out there it's like I just you know just put it out of my mind and got to the finish line as fast as possible. And, and I definitely didn't think, you know, when I'm out there, I didn't think, oh, Niels is, is going to blow up. But then at the same time, I kind of knew going in that, you know, if you're going to put down, somebody's going to put down a big ride, then it's probably going to mean that the run is going to be a tough one. So, And, you know, how did you find doing a point-to-point run? Um, you know, mentally, you know, you probably don't have the same level of crowd support. There may, uh, there may have been lots of crowd out there, but in, in, say, many of the races we do these days, you know, it's either two or three laps and there's quite good pockets of crowd and you go past them, you know, several times, whereas Melbourne is pretty much point-to-point. How did you find that, or did it not uh, phase you at all? You're just counting down the kilometres. Uh, I think, I think, for me, it was um, like I did quite a bit of uh, work checking out the course, making sure I, like I rode it and checked the kilometers. And so like mentally, I tried to think of it as not just a point to point, you know, like I tried to look at the halfway point as all right, kind of like this is the start of like a second lap. Um, I think it, it helps in a sense because you're not or I don't know if help, but you don't see you don't see the guys on the out and backs. Mm. But the straight stretches are so long that you can see them way up the road. So, um, so the motivation is always, is kind of there. You can see, you know, three or four minutes up the road. Um, so no, I, I think for me it works well, just kind of that, I kind of like that loneliness and that suffering. But then at the same time, I think one of my strengths is, uh, being able to kind of keep my composure and, keep my emotions in check so sometimes I like it when uh you know I like it when there's big hills or these points where everyone's cheering and you know it might draw guys to go faster and harder than maybe they should Mm. so you take the lead well 10 12k to go 
do you kind of know you got it then or what's going through your head to make sure you you bloody win this thing <laughs> you know like <laughs> uh no i definitely didn't i mean tim burkle he'd uh he'd been running basically stride for stride with me for about the last 10 kilometers so it was kind of cool to know that it was like you know it's like all right well a we've got a chance at the win but at that point it felt like you know even if you falter seconds is kind of good and and that was kind of my biggest worry going into the race because I think like an Ironman, that's the hardest thing is to really fight off that uh, complacency and that kind of, you know, it sounds ridiculous looking back that you'd be like, oh, well, second is pretty good. But, you know, I think when you're tired and your blood sugar level's low, you know, those starts, thoughts start to creep in. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of that went through my mind and then it was quick to, to snap out of it and, and get back going. But um but there was definitely a point where, you know, I'm on the run and um, there's probably about three people, three or four people that were cheering me on out there. And everyone else was uh, was pro uh, was pro Tim Burkle and pro Ozzy. And so it was it was it was kind of cool. And, the bad um, guy. I was totally the bad guy. And I kind of <laughs> love that. Right. But at the same time, I mean, you know, when we're battling it out, the first thought that went through my mind, bad thought was like. You know, it'd probably be better for, like, pretty much everyone at this race if Tim won. Like, this would make a better story. And I was like, oh, but whatever, I'm going for it. And <laughs> the second thought was, like, you know, you're at this point where um, you're, like, working really hard. And you're having to dig really deep and you're you're thinking about – you shouldn't be thinking about it, but you're thinking about, you know, kind of the mental fortitude and the toughness it's going to take for the next uh, – you know, 10 or 12 kilometers and and how much motivation and, and all that you're going to need. And then you're kind of looking over at this other guy wondering, well, what's, what's he got? And then you're, when you're hearing like all these people cheering and you're kind of like, like he's got every motivation in the world and it kind of starts to give you a little bit of doubt. Mm. And so, um, so that was creeping in there. Never more so than there are a couple of his, uh, a couple guys from the, bike company giant that was out there mm-hmm. and they're yelling things at me like you can never beat a guy that rides a giant or you can never beat an australian in australia <laughs> and you're kind of like at that point you know it sounds ridiculous but at that point in the race you're like yeah maybe like ah whatever you know but but those kind of like doubts and then you know having to kind of squash that doubt is is the real battle of the ironman in my opinion and and so what was it when uh when you actually you know essentially broke Tim was it a big uh, a big search that you put in or was it that you just weren't slowing down and and he was or what actually sort of broke the camel's back I think well what happened was for me I run like I try and take the same approach to running as um as kind of the theory of uh like riding with a power meter and keeping even pacing yeah and so it ends up being that you know when I get to the hills I'm thinking you know, I'm not thinking power up this hill. It's thinking, all right, you know, maybe feel like you're going a little bit easier. Or like imagine that this hill, um, this hill goes on for like until the end of the course and how fast would I be running this? And so this was like the hilly, the last little hilly bit of the course and we came to the downhills. And so um, usually the downhill, since I'm kind of thinking about this even power, I'm really trying to, you know, or I'm, I'm, I'm picking up the pace a bit, kind of picking mm-hmm. up my stride rate and um so we're at this point and you know i went from hearing 
the footsteps and kind of hearing Tim behind me and uh, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just running my race, you know, thinking, pushing hard to the line. And then um, I don't hear the footsteps anymore. And so I took a quick look behind me. And then uh, when I looked behind me, I saw I had, you know, a 15 or 20 meter a gap. And so I don't know how much it was, but I just knew it was like it was a gap. Like he he would be here beside me if he could. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think I made a conscious effort at that point to to pick it up. I did make a conscious effort to keep my foot like on the gas and keep working hard. But looking back at it, just the the emotions and the how stoked I was knowing that I had that gap. Like I think it'd be impossible for me to not have picked it up at that point. I think. The adrenaline, probably, you know, even if it felt like I didn't pick it up, I was throwing in a bit of a, a bit of a, I must have thrown in a bit of a surge because I'm, I'm human just like everybody else. <laughs> and how was the last 5Ks? Because I, I didn't see a lot of the footage, but I was sort of watching um, on and off sort of the last five or so Ks. And I, I think I may have seen you running once elsewhere, maybe at 70.3 Worlds, but it was probably just at the finish. Um, and your website is Get Ugly, and you were clearly running smoking fast. I mean, you ran a 244, which is fantastic. Oh. But um, you're running, your, your head was all bobbling all over the place, and you looked like you're in a world of pain. So is that the, the normal way that you run, um, or were you in uh, a world of pain for that last sort of 5Ks? Uh, I guess both. I mean, that is definitely how I normally run. Uh, you know, and it's, it's happened, you know, kind of all throughout my running career at, at different distances. And, uh, so yeah, so I wouldn't say just because I'm looking like that, that, you know, that, uh, that I was super hurting or that, um, you know, people, you know, kind of say, "Oh, you must be hurting more than everyone else." And you know, I think it'd be pretty, pretty arrogant for me just because I flail a bit on the run. You know, to to think that I suffer more than somebody else. Um, but that that five k definitely hurt. There's no denying it. Especially, I think I think four k was a point where um, where I knew I was in or I was feeling pretty rough. Like I remember at four k hitting that point, and um, and I'd kind of been thinking all right when you get to 4k then you can you can go well or but by the time i hit 4k i was like you know just get through the next 2k you can run the last 2k hard and it was like just the legs the legs are painful usually i get super tired and it's just everything feels tough to move but then like the pain was setting into the legs which is kind of a new feeling for me so maybe it's a new level of hurt that i found and, and you know, obviously coming down the finishing shoot, was it was it a different feeling? You know, you've won races before, you've won Challenge Penticton, and, and and obviously other races. Was it was it any different at this race? You know, I know it was a regional championship, wasn't at home. Did it feel different? Uh, yeah, maybe a little a little different, just because it I it all kind of set in me set in on me at that one point, uh, having Tim. Uh, Tim behind me and you know Brad Caulfield, just you know amazing runners. Um, you know, just the lead never feels safe, and I yeah. think um, you know. So for this one, it was it was much like coming third in Vegas, where you know just the whole thing seemed a bit unreal. That okay, well you know keep pushing because someone might pass you, and then so it didn't kind of sink in until twenty meters before the finish. So. I mean, it, it felt different just because it was a surge of emotion. But uh, whereas, you know, the f- 
la- winning challenge Penticton last year. You know, I had a good feeling it would happen, you know, for most of the the back half of the run. And the year before that, you know, I knew when I hit Lakeshore, which is about 2K to go, so I had a bit more time to kind of kind of digest it. So, um, so, yeah, just a little bit different in that situation, but, yeah. What, what happens? Other than that, no, I mean, it's, it's just more just a stoke to personally, I mean, everybody gets this age group or pro alike but you know you're all you know you, winning is cool but you're more just stoked on you know that you've kind of risen to the task and that you know your body has been telling you to quit for quite a while and you've kind of had that toughness to to get through it well what sort of happens when you finish because you know most age group is you go through the finish and you get your medal and then you you go massage. off to massage and what have you um, and obviously like Tour de France those guys are on a totally different level and they're off doing media stuff all over the place and don't get home till like midnight um, what was the process for you is it just a case of doing your post race um, interview and then turning up at the media conference later on or do you get chaperoned and treated like a king how does it, how does it work uh. <laughs> Yeah, you get. I guess you you get treated better than the average person, which is yeah. kind of cool. Um, or at least my parents got treated better than the average person. <laughs> they, had. they were let in, and a volunteer was like, "Oh no, we'll go find them for you." So they were uh, they were most more stoked than I am by that kind of stuff. So um, I guess the first thing they made me redo uh, holding up the the finish line tape. Oh, no. oh did they? So, <laughs> Yeah, I was too excited. They don't like the one-handed grab. And, and they actually gave us, like, specific directions before, like, at the, the really? uh, pro briefing before of how they wanted us to – yeah, it's important for them. They yeah. like to use that photo um, and kind of disperse it. So I can understand where they're coming from, but, you know, I didn't want to – you don't think I, about I wasn't paying. I wasn't paying attention. I was pretty nervous, I guess. And the and the I find the pro the pro briefings are by far the most stressful and nerve wracking part of the entire race experience. And so I wasn't. I was out of it. I wasn't paying attention, and I just kind of did whatever came naturally. And uh, but so anyway, so redid that, and then um, and then they're they're interviewing for quite a while. And I think you know, especially for your sponsors. And um, for everyone back home that's kind of helped you out, I think it's important to, um, you know, do as many interviews as, as possible. And plus it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of exciting to kind of reliving and talking about it. But um, but then you're also, they sit you down and they have the other guys um, come down as well. And, uh, you know, you just want to share your, your, your war stories with them and, and just kind of, I don't know, just just discuss what just happened and how, you know, there's this weird bond of, of respect that comes when you're, you know, you're battling people out and you're kind of thinking about what they're thinking. And, um, so you're kind of doing that at the same time. And then, um, they did a, a podium where they gave us some champagne and, uh, what else happened? A lot of like sitting down, trying to put myself back together and grimacing and, um, <laughs> So then they take you away. They did drug testing at this event. And so um, you can't, like my stomach was just just churning big time by the time, uh, you know, about an hour after the race. But you can't, you can't go to the bathroom until you do your drug testing. Yeah. And so, but they were having troubles getting rooms open or something. So it took a while for that to happen. And partway through, I had to go get back on Ironman Live. And then you come back for the drug testing 
And I think by the time, like, all that went through, it took, like, uh, time kind of was standing still. But I remember looking at my watch, and I think it was, like, 6.30 or 7 by the time, wow. you know, I was able to go home. So um, it was pretty full on, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool at the same time. So, so what does this do for the rest of your season? You know, nowadays with the championship races, you get your automatic qualification for Kona. So it kind of changes uh, where you aim, aim to go for Kona. But, you know, like it, it kind of gives you a bit of a luxury to kind of look at your season and, and make some different choices. And so uh, what has this changed your the way you outlook for your season? And is Kona on the cards for you? Yeah, Kona's definitely on my cards. I will uh, – I'll say that, like – that's the one definite. We've already booked a condo, which is kind of nice. We can do that now, and yeah. uh, um, so that's that's on the calendar. And everything else is uh, is pretty wide open. The whole year was 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 kind of my two goals for the year were to get the points to go to Kona and to win an Ironman. So to have those Take done those is uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. So it's um, yeah, it's just kind of figuring out a good uh, a good plan to get there so um so we'll see what uh what makes sense now and, and am i right is it, is it first time racing kona so yeah this will be the first the first time i'd really hope to to qualify last year but um i guess the first year 2013 when i did challenge i had a pretty wicked bike crash where i crashed at 60.6k an hour good thing we have oh. garments to give us that info <laughs> and uh yeah so i had this just nasty crash and um uh, but i was ended up able to to finish and go on and win the race in spite of this despite having road rash and some bad injuries but the one hip i landed on my left hip pretty hard and um and i think the combo of that and then running a marathon on it fast marathon um it just set me back a while, so it took, you know, quite a, quite a long time until I was healthy. So I wasn't able to, you know, get enough races in to get the points. Mm-hmm. So, um, but luckily that all kind of worked out to make me tougher, I guess, and set me up to go this year. So I'm I'm very very excited. Nice. So, um, is it anything else you do? You know, do you do coaching, or are you just basically full time athlete, or any anything you want to promote? Um. I don't know. It's kind of caught me off guard, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do, I do work sometimes at, at a bike shop, either bike barn in, um, in Penticton and, um, also, uh, speed theory here in Vancouver. But, uh, I guess I haven't worked in a while, so hopefully I haven't got fired in the meantime. But uh, <laughs> I just turn up when I want to want a bit of money. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Well, it's just, it's just good to, uh, you know, it's more for the, um, you know, just talking and helping Social. people get stoked and get involved with the sport. It's just uh, an incredibly motivating thing. So, well, other than that, I mean, um, you know, I do uh, – going back to Penticton this weekend, actually, to help my coach, Kevin Cutjar, with camp. So that's nice. going to be – that's going to be fun. Same thing. You get to kind of steal in that newbie energy. And um, also coach back in Penticton a group uh, – kids group called TriPower. And there's nice. no better way to, uh, yeah. you know, to get stoked for hard sessions or to push hard than just catching that that pure love and, and joy of the sport. So mm-hmm. the only downside is that um, – Pretty soon, those kids are going to be kicking my butt and kind of yeah. putting me out of a job. So. Oh, I think I think got a few years on them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. They're pretty quick. So, 
and um, in terms of if people want to follow you, you know, what's the the best form of doing that? Is it uh, Facebook, Twitter? What's what's your what's your social media status? Yeah, fa- Facebook and Twitter are probably um, the best way to go. We just set up a an athlete page that way we can kind of put out a bit more contact. But you know, if you add me as a friend, that's that's cool too. I mean, I'm uh, you know that's. It's not just a job for me. This is this is my life, and I think um, you know it's just fun, just connecting with people and living that lifestyle. And uh, so, yeah, just connect with me. However, you want to send me an email, uh, I think I've got my email on the blog. It's just you know I'm just open, just whatever uh, whatever I do to to help uh, other people live their dreams and and get either involved in the sport or get uh, get more involved in the sport is is just the best part of the job. Cool. Now it was fun watching your race, and, uh, yeah, and good luck for the year, mate. We Bring look it forward on. to seeing you smoking it in uh, Kona and being the, the first Canadian on Cupcakes with Cow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. This is uh, this is a great interview, guys, and uh, just thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I just really appreciate the opportunity to tell people what I'm about, and uh, and yeah. So thanks, guys. Hopefully, I'll have another good race coming up, and you'll get me back on. Sounds Game good. On, mate. Thanks, awesome. Mate. Can you name and shame, John? Who was the guy who passed him? He didn't want to name and shame. Oh, we, uh, no, I don't know. Uh, no, I don't know. I can't remember. But I do remember look, watching them at the start of the run. There were some guys that looked like they were going pretty down fast. Can you remember the stupidest time you've done something in the race that hasn't gone too hard? No, I'm pretty level-headed, pretty, pretty you smart. Pretty level-headed, yeah. yeah. yeah well, smart, I wouldn't have said, but level-headed, yeah. definitely. Yeah. No, I don't think I've done anything too, too crazy. What's the worst? South Africa's probably the worst, though. Yeah, no, I did get a little bit excited. You thought you won it then? Yeah. I didn't think I'd won. I thought these guys are going a little bit slow. (laughs) It's just you might be a world champion, but man. Who was it? Who was it that you were beating? Uh, Lothar Leader was behind me, and so was. (laughs) You were beating um, Lothar Leader? Yeah, yeah. Back when <laughs> you I, think he's going too slow. It's back when I could uh, swim okay, and I'm pretty sure Spencer Smith was there as well. There's a few good athletes. Oh, these guys know nothing. And I was on the front. <laughs> oh, I've got this thing. <laughs> Peasant spy yeah. me. Okay. It does seem easy. When you go from, I mean, not that I was any sort of ITU star or anything like that, not even remotely close, but when you go to Ironman coming from ITU, the pace is pretty slow. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay, Jumbo. Uh, yeah. We need some music. Okay, some music. Okay, I'm do doing your job. Do your job. I'm doing my, here's my job. Website of the week. Okay, well, there's been a lot of discussion lately around the whole idea of 50 for 50 and Kona. <laughs> it's not dying. I've got to get Andrew Messick on the show. I emailed him a while ago and I forgot to follow up with it. But uh, this ain't dying anytime soon. And it's more when, you idiots, <laughs> not if. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on. But what's happening now is it's, it's actually become a bit of an organisation. And Dawson sent us through the email to this website, and he's a part of the organisation. It's called uh, Try Equal. Dot com and it's basically just a, a kind of the, the base of a group of people who are an independent groups seeking equality in triathlon triathlon is a group of men and women dedicated to fairness development and equality in the sport of triathlon as such Tri Equal aims to ensure that all groups within the triathlon community are treated equally and with respect further we aim to increase participation and diversity by increasing accessibility for all athletes from beginning to elites Tri Equal is open to all who wish to be involved 
So what they have is they've got the website. It's, admittedly, it's kind of a bit more of a poster page than anything. Who are we? It's Sue Aquilera, who we've had on the show. Hilary Biscay, Jordan Blanco, she's been on Epic Camp. She did Length of New Zealand. Kelly Gallagher, um, Alyssa Goditsky, Didi Grisbow, who used to be a top athlete. Sarah Gross, Joycey, Rachel Joyce, Torsten, and Karen Smyers. And also, because um, Hilary was on the female board for WTC. And she's resigned from that. Board, so. Yes, said she didn't feel like she could do what she wanted to do there and um, feels that she could be better spending her energy elsewhere. So that was somewhat interesting as well. But these guys are just going to, you know, this, this is what it takes is just to get a group together and all the pros should be, I mean, this is one issue, you know, in terms of getting 50 women on the line in Kona that they're obviously very passionate about. But we often talk about the pro movement in general about having a stronger voice and they've you know they just need to do something like this get everybody to join up and have the let the pros set up a voice to make sure that they are actually heard and they can try to get some shared traction with WTC otherwise they're all just going to be independent voices and uh, not much is going to happen so if you want to get involved you go to tryequal.com and um, you can buy t-shirts to support them and uh, give a bit of revenue, but also at the same time, you can go to the Facebook page. And if you're on Facebook, just look 50 Women to Kona. That's the community, they've got about 4,000 likes already, so they're doing really well. Um, get on there, like the page, and uh, just make it happen. Come on, listen, WTC. We know you listen to the show, we, all your great innovations come from the show. So just hurry up and do it. You're looking like fools, and the longer you wait, the more fool you look like. So there you go. It's, uh, what is it, tryequal.com. Okay, John, we probably don't need to do your update. Let's do your rant because we've, we've actually... Oh, I'll, I'll quickly do an update because oh, I was really? quite proud. I've done... Th- um, okay, this here is, we go. This is just my marathon update. Do you want to give you a pen on the th- Three weeks of 100Ks. I was quite nice. happy with myself. Nice. 101, 102, 102. Are you feeling uh, fit? Surviving. Actually, my aches and pains, that I, I didn't have anything major, but they actually you start sticking with it and they start going away. I went for a 40-minute run the other day. Mm. It's not quite 100k, is it? No, not quite. Probably about 8k based on the speed I was doing. (laughs) It wasn't that fast. Tell you what, we never ran in a while. Poor heart on the body. Mm. (laughs) My legs just like I've done a big weight session. So anyway, three hundred three weeks of 100k this week. Got to button it down. That's one of the key things. You got to make sure as you build it up, you have an easier week. So what are you doing this week? Uh, okay. It was just kind of yeah, just five. <laughs> kind of convenient Easter and stuff. I'll just be uh, oh, nice just starting. chilling out. We're going away, so I'll just. Chill what are you out. doing? You're training for what? Wellington. Wellington Marathon has been entered. I'm all in. What's your longest run? Before Wellington. No, you know now. Oh, now I'm not actually doing many long runs. Probably only just over 20k. I'm just doing lots of consistent 15 to 20k runs. So you know, often the standard run is say an hour long. Yeah. Whereas now my standard run is 75 90. minutes okay. long. So I get sort of 15 to 18k's in that. So yeah. Much I'm, pace work in there? Uh, not really. I do Saturday mornings my sort of tempo run. Like Saturday morning I had a 10k four minute k's. So I will say I'm not particularly fast at the moment, but building hey, some nice base. Hey, got to start somewhere, Jumbo. Four minute k's at the moment feels like. 345k's did normally when I was in good shape. So, what's the, what's the K pace you're aiming for? Is Wellington flat? Surely not. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Wellington's pancake flat. Oh, really? Okay. You, we got, we, you, we've started going on. Oh, Wellington's a terrible course. It's the middle of winter. It's not the course, it's, it's the time it's of year. The, yeah, it's the middle of winter. The weather's going to be crap. The course is actually really nice. It it's goes, stupid in New Zealand. Most of our big marathons are at the worst time of year. Yeah. yeah. Like, why isn't Christchurch Marathon now? I know. I'm, I'm going to talk to them because I work for them, Jobo. Yeah. I'm part of this. Or, or the start of. Yeah, spring or something like that. You want that. it now. You want it now. You want it ten weeks out from Christmas. Hmm. So you want it. You're, you know, you basically you come out of early. Oh, January. where's the professionalism? Well, I can't help. Where's <laughs> my mum? I bring my mum. Like, you keep. She'll, she'll be wanting uh, Easter egg update because we know that the, the Isles family. Okay, I don't think it's happening. 
<laughs> Apparently the Easter eggs oh. are not happening. Is Wait, it, Mum? Uh, it is, Mum. Was that? Yeah, Mum, to oh, say hello. Oh, John, take home. <laughs> we should get Bevan's mother on the podcast at some stage. He's swearing. God, where is professionalism in this podcast? Hey, I've never claimed to be professional. <laughs> okay, so what's your rant? Come on, so, let it out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's there. He just prepared. I love it. Here we I go. Ha- Aussies, you guys absolutely <laughs> drilled us. But John, has to be a good person here. You can't be. A, you can't turn into them while you're ranting about them. I'm just. It's and this is this is. This did get me fired up. For people who don't follow cricket, Aussies' behaviour in the cricket was pretty childish. That's the thing. It, it is. It, it is, is childish. They are a little bit childish, aren't they? It's so what happens in the Kiwis and Aussies and Poms have watched this. You have a, it, sledging is, is has been. Part of cricket, which is right or wrong. So, so what does sledging mean for those who basically know. abuse the, the the people who are batting yeah. or, or yeah. whatever? And, so. and traditionally, the Australian cricket teams have always had this kind of history of being pretty big sledges. And there's been other teams that have done it as well. And there's been a lot of controversy around. And it, and it goes past having a fun little joke with someone. It's it's, it's actually can it's be using vicious, a lot bullying. of a lot of swearing and basically just just not particularly pleasant and anyway my main issue is this is I don't think it had any impact on the game at all the Aussies look like dicks when they're doing it because they're just abusing our players so for example they get one of our, our best player out who's had a good innings and instead of sell, they had celebrate all good I don't, I don't expect them to go over to the guy and say well bad and mate sorry yeah. you're out but they just start abusing him and tell him to get off the field and he's a loser and it's just Childish, yeah. and what bugs me about it is it had no impact on the game. I don't think I don't feel sorry for our players because I don't think they really care about it. Yeah. But the problem is, you know, it stems down to the kids. It's not just the kids. Like you often, oh, it's about the kids. It's about all levels of sport. Apparently now, in in club cricket, so we're talking adults, you cannot take your kids to go and watch club cricket because there is so much swearing and abuse going on oh, that really? you wouldn't even want to sit there and watch it. And the Aussie guys seem really proud of it and I'd be equally embarrassed if it was the Kiwi guys doing oh, it. Did you hear what Brad, who's the wicketkeeper, Hedden or? He was on the radio, he was making fun of it and you can kind of go, He said, oh, he said because when they were in New Zealand, the Kiwis treating so nice and he said, well, bugger this, when they get, when, if we get to the final, we'll be a real prick. I was like, what kind of person is that? I just, yeah, it's, I, I get it. I know our Aussie listeners, we love you. But and, and yeah, your cricket team can be dorks. Like, again, compared to... That's the thing is, you look like idiots. You do. You know, it's, it's like the person who's the bully. No one likes him. Mm. You know, the, you, you, no one goes, oh, that guy's really cool. I want to be around that guy. It's the same with football. So again, not just pointing the finger at the Aussies, but I watch football games and I'm like, how can they get away with this? They're just all crowd around the referee and just try to bully him into changing his decision. I'm just... It's just not a word I want to grow up in, Bevan. Jumbo, I agree. So, and, and I actually wrote a press piece about that this week. Did you? Yeah, I did. Good. I wrote about this. You can read the press on Thursday. Yeah. yeah so Aussies, really impressed with your cricket team. You just absolutely smoked it. Well, yeah. then if you look at the contrast of the South African game, South Africa lost the game, and you could tell they were gutted, mm. but they were respectful, and, and we were respectful. It was just like it was a really great game of sport, and at the end of it, they all were like, man, we had a great contest and we respect each other for that contest. Mm. And that's what you want to be as a person, isn't it? Mm. Not, hey, I'm a, you're a dick because I win. Yeah. You know, and uh, so Aussies, sharpen up. Mm. Your cricket team in general. Oh, like I have to say, other teams. Oh, and general sports people, like you interview Aussie triathletes and they're some of the best people you ever bloody meet and yeah. fantastic and sharing and it's just... And State of O, even like State of O doesn't get, you know, like yeah. you know, like it's always respect, yeah, so 
Just, just your cricket team. Sharpen up. Anyway, um, Jombo, we haven't really got questions and answers. Just a couple of things I want to mention. Um, we do. I never mention this, but we. I email the show out to everybody who's on the database each week. And if you are someone who would just like to get the show emailed to you, as soon as I've released it, I then email it out to a database. And if you go to www.imtalk.me, you'll just notice that on the side of one of the columns there, in the middle column, it's just got get the show emailed to you. And if you are the kind of person who just forgets or... I don't know, for some reason you want to get it emailed, um, you just go there, you click in, you put your name, your email address. We don't spam you. All I do is just send you when I've put shows out. So there's never mm-hmm. anything other than that, and it just is the show notes and the link to getting the show. So if you ask someone who wants to get buy my book when you're there as well. Oh, yeah. yeah my book. Great. You know, five yeah. star on Amazon, which is good. Um, and then also... One thing I'm, I'm trying to do a little bit more now um, is just promoting the show on Facebook, and not necessarily in big ways, but uh, each week when we've got interviews, I'm just doing a little bit of a promotional post on Facebook. It's kind of hard to get attention for podcasts. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, iTunes was the way, but iTunes is losing its influence. So I'm kind of thinking, well, what are other ways can we kind of spread the word around what we're doing? And if you're on Facebook and you just see that little post come up from I Am Talk, if you want to share it or like it, it just it helps to expose. And especially, I mean, Bevan usually does that when we have a pro interview. I mean, one of the things that I'm really proud of with the show is we give pro athletes uh, an opportunity to come on the show and promote themselves and just get them to be more household names like Jeff Simons this week. Yeah. So whatever we can do to enhance their profile and become get their names better known in the world of triathlon means hopefully they can make a little bit more out of their sponsors and what have you. So um, yeah, it'd be great if you guys can well, do I think, that. I think and ultimately... There's thousands of people who do the sport who don't even know this exists, if you know mm. what I mean. And I'm sure, you know, it's not just your everyday mates, it's more your triathlon buddies who maybe don't even know about podcasting or have never really kind of explored it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys get a lot of value, a lot of value from, value from, value from, from not, not just our show, but many of the podcasts out there. And, uh, you know, it's just a way that we can help spread the word. So if you, if you see that post, share it, like it. Comment on it, all good. John, patrons. Yep, you've got to think of one for the Philinator because Philinator, we've got to get a new one. Oh, what was his? Sorry? Philinator's gold, but. Yeah, but he's got to have another one. That's just. Okay. Philinator's gold. Okay. You can't change the Philinator. Okay. Yeah, what would you call him? The, I know, I know. I've got one for it. I've got. Okay, yeah, here we go. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we'll get to that. Yep. Right, first one, uh, Darren Jones. Double O Darren. Double O, that's good. Why double O? He looks like bloody David Craig. Oh, does he? <laughs> he sent nice. his picture. I'm going, it's David Craig. Well, why double O? Double O seven. Oh, David Craig. I thought you meant Craig David. <laughs> <laughs> David Craig. No. Nice. That's double O. That's, that's James Bond's name, isn't it? David Craig? No, it's it's um Craig. Oh, okay. You've got me. You stopped me on pop culture. Uh, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. He looks yeah. like Daniel Craig there. Yeah. Uh, Ian uh, Hersey or White Lightning. Yes. Oh, he did before. Epic Camp. Oh, yeah. I ruined off Ian. Yeah. I didn't right. know who we were back in those so days, and he's a good supporter of the show. He's got a slightly pale complexion. Got he, was, a white he, was, he, he was this piece of paper that's white. Yeah. He makes that look black. I know. <laughs> uh, Richard, the golden one, Lonsdale. Nice. And then finally, nice. uh, not finally, but second last, David, the gr- the great greyhound, Hutchian. Hutchian, nice. Yeah. No, it's a great greyhound. Is this an old one? Is these, those are all old ones. Oh, oh so double, you, double you, double you Okay, so fill, we're keeping the fillinator. Let's okay. not deny it. But we're going to call him material supplier because for his wife, yeah. <laughs> who likes a bit of shopping, yeah. who likes the material things, yeah. he is the material supplier because he works hard for his money. Hey, they're a unit. I'm not, yeah. I'm not judging that. But let's let's be honest, Jen, and you're listening to this now. I know he's showing this to you. Jen, you know you like to spend. And without your material supplier, the fillinator, 
I know you look after the kids. I know you do your job. But Phil and Ed's Phil, Phil likes to spend as well. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, there you go. So they're both. So, so there you go. So the Pattersons are the material suppliers. Yeah. But he, he's keeping the Phil and Ed. We yeah. can't lose the Phil and Ed. Okay. about like losing porno? Okay. You know, just some names that are iconic. You know, the Admiral. Yeah. You know, Boom Boom Bassett. What is it? Um... Boom, drop the yeah, drop the bass, drop yeah. the bass, yeah. The ballistic hammer, the ballistic. Come on, yeah. the holy hammer, holy hammer. Oh, they just all keep sorts coming. of hammers, all sorts of hammers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, sponsor athlinks.com. Got to get on there, people. And Social networking for endurance athletes. Yes. So if you've got any races coming up, make sure you get on there and you can put them into your calendar. John, I've got an idea for talk about athletes. How, how do you go through the process once you've done a race? Uh, it's pretty simple. I'll That's go, what I wanted to hear. <laughs> well, I, I basically, I'm going to be going through there and putting all my winter events in there. And so you can you can either preload them and saying these are going to be your upcoming events. So why don't I do this right now? I've got to log in. Oh, first. Can. oh okay, there you go. You log yeah, in. You, you carry on. No, no, it's good. Love they always love their start page on athletes. That is pretty somebody, cool, isn't it? Somebody climbing out. Like their Facebook page because they come up with some cool facts. The other day I was wrote something on Facebook and the athlete fact popped up and I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's a cool fact. So I've got the um, Hagley Relays that are coming up. This is going to be my first running race of uh, of winter, and uh, it's coming up. And that is a so it's a race that's been already listed on there. So if I just put Hagley Relays into the oh, somebody's already done it. Maybe I've done it myself. It was pr- no, surely not. You yeah. So it's got Hagley Relays. It's got all the uh, previous years, 2014. It hasn't got all of them because, um, but it's got 2014, 2011, 2010, 2009. Next one coming up Saturday, April 25th, 2015. And I'm just going to click on that, and then I'll be able to Tim McClurg's put it in there, and then I can basically add myself into that event. There you go. Suppose that done. Add, add and you're done. Top right corner. Add to my events. And you're done. So then when it turns up, you're just there. What's my predicted time? I'm not going to put a predicted time. What is it? What, what distance? Uh, it's about 4.2K, but it's kind of a bit all over the place. I I'm going to go say back. you're going to do 13. Um, I can put down my race goal. And okay. I'm going to my race goal be be one minute faster than, what's Phil's new name? Um, material the Provider. Material Provider. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Saved my calendar. There we go. You and now it's done. Everything. Yeah. And so when that race goes in, it's done. Yeah, and then I can share the upcoming event with my friends and Hagley Relays. I can say share or no thanks. There you go, team. Yeah. There you go. So guys, get on it. And uh, you sometimes, if there's not, not an event there, you need to create it. Good old Tim McClure's already done that. Otherwise, you can just add a year if it's an event that's already been listed on Athlinks. Um, otherwise, it's just a quick process of going through, putting in the distances, and, you, and away you go. If it's beforehand, you can put it upcoming. If it's afterwards, then you can put a link to the result, and then it will take them a couple of weeks to get that loaded up. Um, but then the job's are good. Done. Athlinks.com, guys. Get on to it. Simple as that. Okay, Jombo sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Lactic buffer. And trainerroad.com. Yes, trainerroad is getting the team, get on the challenge. And also, we've got our patrons as well. Thank you to the patrons. You guys are rock stars. Jombo, what's your goss? So, goss, how late do you think I'd be able to go out on a, a Saturday night? Like a to big a night party? out? Yeah. Because, wait a second, what'd you have? You had something on the yeah, 15th wedding anniversary. So 15 years? Yeah. No, for someone else. Yeah, I oh, know you're not asking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wasn't around when you got yeah. Um Okay, wait a second. What time did you start? Normally, uh, 7.30. So I start drinking at 7.30? Yeah. 
7.45. Two, two, two max. I'm at three. Wow. That's impressive. Where'd you go? Just a friend's place. It was sort of a bit of a black tie sort of Oh, that's uh, what the thing. black tie event. Yeah, so three o'clock. I was like, holy Stayed at the house till three in the morning. Yeah. Were you getting pretty jollied? Well, it was, it, was, it was actually a bit of a tame affair, but we just sort of kept going and it was three o'clock and yeah. Did you taxi home? Yeah, I think yep. it, the main thing was the only reason we could stay out that late was because no kitties. And it's like, I slept until I got, I got up <laughs> at 8 o'clock. And then I, got up, I think I got up at 9.15 or something. It's like, <laughs> don't actually feel that bad. <laughs> this, this is the life. Yeah. i got to get rid of these kids. Yeah. Uh, well, any, any gossip from the party? Anyone get too drunk? No, there wasn't actually. We were hoping for it to be a bit, a bit more go, a bit crazy. Yeah. We need to wow. ta- we needed yeah. to take control. We're in the party until Newsom's partying. We needed to take control of the music. Oh we, really? Yeah, we needed to. Music is key. I know, but the problem is, here. Okay, I do feel I can do party music really well. Yeah. And the reason you got if you're ever doing party music, the first rule of party music, it's not about what you like, mm. and that's where people stuff up because people think, oh, I love a bit of meatloaf, <laughs> and so they put yeah. some obscure meatloaf song on, which to them is the best song ever, mm. but no one else knows it. Mm. And the key, and this is the same as race music. It's popular music that has a good fast beat that people know, and ideally, if you can get sing along lyrics, yeah, you're doing well. <laughs> Have that on your TV screen. Yeah. Nothing like a bit of karaoke. There's nothing like a bit of karaoke, <laughs> bit of karaoke as well. Uh, so yeah, there's Bevan's tip for music for parties. Yeah, yeah. That, that was all about my excitement for the weekend. Yeah, so not even a hangover. No tequila no. shots. No, no, it was it was all pretty. Controlled. Are you that guy? You're the guy who encourages everyone else to get extremely drunk. Yeah, well, the the the, the, the host of this party is usually that guy as well. Oh, do I know the host well of the party? Control. No, uh. no. Uh. So it was good fun. It was great, but didn't get messy. Uh. Hmm. That's Bevan. Anything exciting cold, happening? That's pretty. Impressive. I know. Anything exciting happening in your world? Down to Wanaka. Yeah, took all the runners. Mm-hmm. Had, had an awesome day. That's one 10k race you want to do. It's like downhill. Yeah, it's all downhill. Yeah. I had a guy, um, one of your runners' wife was Surely. his wife. Yeah, it was raining. And, yeah, I was talking to Hayden. Yeah, Hayden. Hayden yeah, yeah. he's a nice guy. And he sent it through. I said, that's a PB. That's fantastic. But you're going to have to have a little asterisk next to that one. <laughs> it is t- it's 10, 10K downhill. Hey, no, it was actually, they reversed it this year. He went uphill. Right. Well done, Hayden. You're a bloody rock star. Yeah. Well, what was cool for us, because it is a race where it's going to be a PB race. It's just the convenience of it. But we, I think we had like 60 runners and um, we had heaps of PBs. But about 30 of the runners did it last year and the year before. Mm. So, and they still got PBs. Nice. So it was nice to see that on the same course they got better times. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what you, you know, ultimately you want to see. Um, yeah, Hayden's a real nice guy. I was waiting at the bar. Mm-hmm. Waiting at the bar, the air frost machine broke. <laughs> yeah, well, you, and it was packed too. So I was like, yeah. Um, so we went down to Wanaka, did the race. Well, I didn't do the race. Mm. Just kind of supported. Uh, it was a funny one because as soon as the gun went off, the rain started. Oh, really? Yeah, but it was a nice day, so it wasn't too bad. Wanaka's a beautiful spot. Mm-hmm. Been in Wanaka quite a bit recently. And then um, came home, watched the cricket. I was excited about the cricket. Mm-hmm. Drove home, got home, had a sleep, mm-hmm. turned on the cricket at quarter past four, thinking this is going to be the night. Mm-hmm. Went to bed at 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I think I was about the same. I got to about 100 runs and I went to bed. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was kind of like, what's the point? Mm. 
Right, Bevan, we're going to move on because we've got to do more shows. We've got to do next week's show because I'm going away and we've got to do Legends. Legends coming out this week. Val- Valerie Silk, fantastic interview, so check it out. And okay, we've got, we'll have a pair of Blue 70 core shorts up for auction. Oh, nice. So have we had those before? We have not. So mm. a great little training tool. Um, that have you, you tried use. them? No, I haven't actually, I'm but I've sure. had plenty of feedback, but basically gives you that sort of lift through your core, so just another training aid that you can use for swimming. So check it out. Okay, here we go. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.